0: Have you ever walked into a room or entered a situation and you knew right off the bat that you just did not belong? It's been several years ago now, but Steph and I, we had to take this class and the only place offering the class was this Catholic church. And so we walked in and it was clear just by walking in, looking at the artwork, seeing the design, the architecture and everything that I was going to be out of my element. So as we're waiting for the class to begin, there's this painting on the wall and we walk over to it and it's of two little chubby boys kind of playing underneath this tree and like the lights of heaven just kind of glowing and shining down upon them and I make just some kind of a little joke and Steph is giggling and the teacher kind of notices and so she walks over and I try to engage a conversation and I just ask her what is this a picture of well she clearly was not amused and was somewhat frustrated and she responded that it was a picture of John the Baptist and Jesus playing Well, it doesn't go well when you begin an interaction by insulting a picture of Jesus. But I mean, how was I supposed to know? It was two little white European boys playing. They clearly weren't Jewish. How was I supposed to know? I mean, the class could not end fast enough because I was out of my element. I just did not belong. Well... If you call Central Home, you need to know that our mission is to share Jesus and impact people. And so it's our job really to equip all of us to be able to do that so that when we enter any kind of a room, any kind of a situation, when we just walk down the street and we look to our right and we look to our left, that we know how to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, that we are able to bring hope and joy and life and fulfillment by answering all of life's questions with the good news of Jesus. You know, now is such an exciting time to be alive. I know the world will never tell you that. You look at the news and you just hear the latest damage report and all the bad things that are happening. But now is such a great time to be alive because if you dig a little deeper, you'll see the world is asking questions. Culture is asking questions. Questions about government, questions about sexuality, questions about life, questions about what's right and wrong, all kinds of questions. And you know, God is the one who has the answers to all those questions. He's the only one who has those answers and he's given them. And now we, as his representatives, get to relay them to others and answer life's questions for them. We really do get to bring hope and happiness, joy and fulfillment through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We get to be his representatives, introducing people to know him. So this next sermon series that we're kicking off this morning, well, it's going to equip us a little bit better to do exactly that, to be the representatives, the disciple makers that he's called us to be. That's what this series is titled. It's disciples making disciples. How do we grow in our effectiveness? Jesus actually gave a very straightforward plan for how this is to happen. It's found in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It's commonly called the Great Commission. Let's go ahead and check it out. It reads, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, as we read this kind of dramatic ending to the Gospel of Matthew, and it is astounding, just think for a moment, if you were one of the disciples, try to put yourself in their mindset. I mean, think of all they had been through these last few weeks. Everything they thought they knew, they're realizing maybe... We really don't know. They just entered Jerusalem with Jesus and he received a welcome fit for a king. People are singing. They're throwing palm branches down. It is quite a welcome. Jesus is teaching. They're getting ready to celebrate Passover. Perhaps they're hoping, could this be the time that Jesus is going to restore the kingdom to Israel? But at the same time, he's giving them some instruction, some insight into what's about to happen to them, but they can't make sense of it all. And then he's arrested betrayed by one of their own, marched through this kangaroo court and then crucified. Yeah, everything they thought they knew, it had turned so quick. Some of them then went to continue the funeral service on Sunday morning, but the tomb was empty. And so the disciples, they huddle up in an upper room just to discuss all this. John and Peter, they're trying to persuade that yes, Jesus is alive. This is just what he had said. And others in the room were thinking, no way. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up right into the middle of this. And these guys are scared to death because they know what's just happened to Jesus and they know that they're associated with Jesus. And they are thinking if the Roman empire would do this to Jesus, what are they going to do to us? Because I mean, we were with him. We were some of the 12. And Jesus says to them, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. You got to be thinking, gee, thanks Jesus. That's just what we were hoping for. Just after everything that's happened to you, yeah, it looks like you're alive again. You're just going to send us out like sheep among wolves. That's probably not the instruction, not the command that they were hoping to hear. And so Jesus says, well, hey, we can talk about this a a little further. Let's go ahead and meet in Galilee. And so the disciples leave Jerusalem and they go to Galilee. They go to the place where it all started. You know, sometimes we have to do that in life, don't we? When things are hard, we got to go to the place where everything began, where it all started, just to kind of help us make sense of things. You know, if you're having a tough time with your spouse and you're trying to work through things, sometimes it's helpful to go back to that place where it all started, where the fireworks began. For for me, it was in that class at Dallas Theological Seminary, leading the church in worship. I had no business trying to lead the church in singing. And so it was a common joke. And we made jokes, Steph and I, often at my expense, but it was great. The fireworks were going. Why? Because she was beautiful. She was smart. She was funny. We just had a great time together. The same thing is true with our relationship with Jesus. Sometimes if things just get a little stale or we, we drift off mission, it's helpful to go back to the place where it all started and to remember what it was like when we entered into that relationship and just how excited we were to run and to tell our friends and to let other people know what it was like when we first began to dive into the scriptures and just kind of see them come alive. And yeah, it was challenging and we might not have made sense of everything, but then there was that thing, that truth that just kind of stuck into our hearts. And we say, I got to live that. I got to share this with somebody else. It's helpful to go back and to remember the joy of the relationship. And that's what Jesus is calling these guys to. He's calling them back to Galilee up on a mountain where they can look out and they can see the shoreline. They can see those boats that they had left. And Jesus can teach them there as they're looking around and they're remembering the relationships. So you have to remember the joy of the relationship because some of these guys are wondering, some of these guys are doubting, is this really worth it? I mean, should we continue to follow Jesus now? I mean, this could cost us our lives. It cost him his life. Is it really worth it? Now, notice the first thing Jesus says to these guys is they're there up on that mountain. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. All authority, not some authority, not most authority, not one day in the future, I'll have the authority. No, he says, all authority has been given to me now, all authority in heaven, all authority on earth is mine. Therefore, he has the right to command whatever he's going to command, and he has the right to expect their complete and total obedience. In the same way, he has the right to command us whatever he decides to command us, and he has the right to expect respect our complete and total obedience as well. See, we miss the weight of this in our culture because we don't live in a culture with a king. We, we don't know what that's, that's like. We champion the rights of the individual. And so in those days, I mean, when a king would tell you that they're in charge, I mean, they would tell you that they had been enthroned by God himself, that that's why they're there and they could do whatever they wanted. They could do whatever they wanted to you. They, they, it didn't matter. They could do whatever they wanted to anybody else. They could take your daughters to be their wives. They could take your sons to be their soldiers. They could do whatever they wanted. And if you refused an edict, if you refused a command, well, they could kill you. There would be no prosecuting attorney coming to prosecute the case against the king. No, it's just the authority that the king had. And so anytime a king would give an edict, anytime he would give a speech, well, everyone would pay attention. What's the king going to say? What rules, what commands will be put in place? See, we don't live in a society like that. We don't live in a culture like that. I mean, our leaders, they go, they give a speech. I mean, if we don't respect them, if we don't like them, we just tune them out. So I'm not going to listen. I mean, they are suggestions more than edicts, more than commands. Okay, well, maybe we'll follow this guy, guy's advice. Maybe we won't. It's up to us to decide. It wasn't like that then. If you decide not to comply, well, you lost your life. That's how it was in the days of Jesus. When he gave, when a king gave a decree, you listened, And now here's Jesus, and he's proven that he has more authority than all of the Roman government. Oh yeah, they can crucify him, but Jesus, he has authority over death. He has all authority. And if you're going to comply with an order from a king, with a command from a king, Well, then you better believe you're going to comply with an order from the king of kings. That's how the disciples would have heard this. It would have carried that type of weight. This is what he's commanding. This guy has all authority. He's not just a guy. He is the God-man. And when he speaks, his word carries authority. And so we're going to obey. And they're going to obey because they want to. It's not like, oh, man, he's going to give us some other kind of thing that we got to do. Oh, this is a bummer. No. They recognize that all his commands have always been good, that he is a good king, a kind king, always working for the best of his people. So it is with enthusiasm. If you're telling us what to do, by all means, let's charge ahead. Let's do this. You have demonstrated the authority that you have. Now. As we kind of read this command, this last command, we would expect that this last command in the book of Matthew that we receive is going to be this really great command. And it is, but you also need to understand that we have about 10 recorded appearances of Jesus since his uh, death and crucifixion. After his resurrection, he appeared about 10 times that is recorded for us. And in those 10 appearances, eight of them, eight of them, the primary message that Jesus is communicating is make disciples, make disciples, make disciples. That is the repeated mission that he gives his followers. Make disciples, make disciples. I've shown you how to do it. You've walked with me. You've learned from me. Now go make disciples. He says, I have all authority. I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I have the right to command what I'm going to command. And I have the right to expect that you're going to follow. And here is the command, go and make disciples. Now, in most translations, we read that word go, and that sounds like the imperative. That's not an imperative statement. That's actually assumed. It would be better translated as you are going. It's an assumption that you're going. Everybody's going somewhere. And the idea is that as you go, as you're moving, as you're interacting with people, that every meeting every meeting that you have, every interaction that takes place, every conversation that that you have, the primary focus of that interaction is to make disciples. That's the primary reason that you're here. Make disciples. Make disciples. That's the imperative. The imperative is make disciples, not go. That's assumed. As you are going, make disciples. So if Christ is the Lord of your life, if he has ordered your steps, then the conversations that, that you have and the people that you interact with, it's never by happenstance. It's never just like, oh, what a, what a great coincidence that I ran into you today. No, these are divinely appointed opportunities that God has ordained for us to have so that we can make disciples. These are opportunities that in God's grand scheme of things, he uses the Holy Spirit in our lives as we interact with others to see them come to know Jesus and follow him and obey his commands to make disciples so that they themselves are then able to make disciples. And Jesus says, you make disciples of every nation. The word there, we get the word ethnicity from. That every ethnicity, every tribe, every tongue, you go and you make disciples. Now, you, you never get to enter into a thing and say, oh, no, 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 that's too hard. I can't go there. No, nah, somebody else is going to have to get them. No, we've got this opportunity to go to everyone. Everyone that comes into our path or that we, as we go, interact with, we our primary purpose ought to be how, how do I make uh, disciples? And so, There's nobody that's beyond the grace and reach of Jesus. And so he says, go to all peoples, every ethnicity. And you know what? In going and as we go and entering into all these different conversations and meeting these different people, it's hard. It's messy. It's not easy. You cannot be involved in the discipleship process and not interact with just the mess of humanity. Because when you boil it all down, we've all got stuff. I mean, we've all got baggage. And so as you have these conversations and you're engaging the whole person with the whole gospel, they begin to share their stories because there's this relationship that's being built. You cannot help but hear the stain of sin. You cannot help but hear the the hurt that's come with poor choices that they've made or the poor choices that others have made. And it's now come on them and they're having to deal with it. You see in the human experience, we have a lot in common, don't we? We all have stuff, yeah, to different degrees, but we all have baggage. And everybody wants a life of purpose, a life of meaning. Every parent wants their, ch- their child to grow up and be successful. We all want to find a way to manage the hurt and the pain of the poor choices that we've made or someone else has made and we're kind of living through. We, we all want that. And you know what? Jesus is the only one who can answer all of that. He's the only antidote and we get to offer it. That's why we go, that's why we engage these conversations. How do we make disciples? Jesus says, well, the first thing you do is you baptize them. That's that's the initial starting point of following Jesus. Is you're just declaring, yes, I now have this relationship with Jesus and I want the world to know. And so you baptize them. And that word means to immerse, like fully into the water, demonstrating that Jesus has covered all of us. There's, there's no part of us that has not been covered and paid for by the grace of Jesus. You know, that word, baptize, before it had this Christian meaning to dip into the water and all this, it was used by people who worked in fabric shops. And the idea was you'd have a piece of cloth and you would baptize the cloth into a dye. So just imagine for a moment that there's a a guy working and he's got um, a white piece of cloth and he baptizes it into a red dye. When the cloth comes out of that red dye, you would never look at that cloth and call it white again. No, from that point forward, you'd always call it a red cloth. Likewise, when we are baptized with Jesus, all of our old life, our old sin patterns, all that has been put to death and we are risen as a new creation in Jesus. And so the choices that we now make, it should reflect that. So much so that no one should ever have to look at us and wonder again, are you or are you not? No, it's clear just by our lifestyle, just by the way we live, that we are his his that we have our identity now in Jesus. So we baptize them and we teach. That's the next command is we teach. We teach people to know the commands and to live the commands that Jesus has given. You know, oftentimes people try to live the best way they know how to live. They just don't live differently because they don't know differently. And part of our responsibility is to know his word in such a way that we can come alongside others and teach them and explain to them, no, this is how you live. People need to be taught. You know, when I was a youth pastor, we I would lead these youth mission trips, and one of the things that I quickly learned was a lot of our students they didn't know how to shake hands properly. And so what did we do? Well, we did a training. Here's how you shake somebody's hand. And and we encompass the whole thing. How you look them in the eye and you give them a firm handshake and you smile, and when they ask you a question, you don't just nod your head or respond with yes or no, but you use that opening as a window to to talk more and to explain and then to ask them questions, how to begin this dialogue, how you relate well as a student to adults. But they had to be trained. They they just didn't know. But once you know better, then you had the opportunity to live better. And we teach people to obey the commands. Hey, 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 here's what Jesus says. Here's how we are to live. You know, the way that you can tell if somebody's a follower of Jesus or not, It's as if they obey his commands. That's what Jesus says. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. That's the only thing we had to go on is based on their obedience to the word. We can't just trust words and all this. No, Jesus says, no, you look at their fruit. You look at their actions. You look at their obedience. That that's what you look at. So it's like when I'm having a conversation with my kids and I I give them some chore they got to do. Let's say, hey, I need you to put the dishes away. Now, if they come up to me and they say, well, hey, Dad, I've, I've done my room and I've done this and I've done that. Hey, why don't we talk about like this fun activity we could do this weekend? I'm not really interested in that. It's not that I don't want to have a, do a fun activity with them. Oh, I do. I'm all about that. It's not that I don't want to have a conversation with my kids. No, I enjoy those moments. I, I enjoy the conversation. But I know that in that moment, they're trying to do some mind tricks on me. They're using these kind of tricky tactics to distract me from the job that I've asked them to do, the mission that I've given them, the assignment, the chore that they've been asked to put the dishes away. You know, Jesus has given us a mission. He says, I want you to go, and as you're going, as you're just living life, I want you to make disciples. And we can play those same kind of mind tricks, too, don't we? We use the same kind of tactics, and, and we can say to ourselves, we can say to God, well, I'm, I'm doing really good at my job, I'm working really hard, I'm trying to be a really good husband, a really good wife, I'm uh, trying to parent the kids well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to church on Sundays, I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing all these things. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that's great, that's really good. But are you doing the mission for which I've called you to? Are you making disciples? Because that's what it all comes down to. I mean, to boil it all down. This is the primary good work of the Christian, to make disciples. You know, Jesus, he gives this promise at the end of of, Of this section the last verse in matthew and the promises and surely i will be with you always to the very end of the age you know we miss what he's really saying there a lot because he is saying that his presence with you is contingent upon your obedience to his commands right? That as you go and make disciples and you're baptizing them and teaching them, well, then, then, and then I will be with you always. That's, that's the, the force in the Greek, what it's saying. It's contingent upon this. Now, our other biblical theology kind of messes us up here because we know that, hey, once we're saved, God gives us the Holy Spirit. He indwells with us. He's always present with us. We know that God says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, that he's always there. Yeah, he's always there. But don't miss this. You and I both know there's a big difference between being there and being present, it's like when you're having an argument with your spouse and everything is stone cold silent. Oh, you might be in the same room, but there might as well be the Atlantic Ocean between you and that other person. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. You, you, you're you in the same room, but you're not on the same page. What Jesus is saying here is when you're living out the mission that I've given you, when you're on the same page with me, it's, it's what Paul would exhort to the Galatians that as you walk in step in rhythm with the Spirit, Jesus you're walking in rhythm with me as you're obeying my commands then you can know this I'm with you I'm with you always to the very end of the age and there's a joy there isn't there there's an excitement there's this yes he's there but when you're in the same place oh yeah there's presence but there's still distance why because you you lose the enjoyment of it all Presence, Real presence where you're together and you're on the same page. Well, that brings enjoyment. Presence brings enjoyment. God's there. That's not the question. The question is, is are you living on mission with him? Are you on mission with him? Are you doing what he's called you to do? Because if you get serious about loving God, if you get serious about just obeying his commands, then something's going to happen. He's going to bring people into your lives who you're going to have the opportunity to love. And they're going to come from all kinds of broken backgrounds and hard things. And they may have heard that God loves them, but they've never really believed it because they've never really seen it. And then God's going to send you into that brokenness, and you're going to be able to love them. And then they're going to be able to believe. Why? Because it's been demonstrated to them. You are the representative of God. When you get serious about loving God, things like that just begin to happen. You know, it's why when the, everyone's always asking Jesus, Jesus, where'd you find these people? I mean, how, why are you having dinner with them? Why are you hanging out with them? Jesus, how come you have all this brokenness and all this drama and all this mess kind of surrounding your life that all these people are kind of bringing? And Jesus, well, I'm loving them. I mean this is what i do i go to the lost i go to the broken and we restore we make new this this is what jesus does you know so oftentimes, this passage that we just read this morning is referred to as the Great Commission. And it is a Great Commission. It's great in its scope, every nation. It's great in its purpose to make disciples who they themselves are able to make disciples. It's great in its enjoyment as you experience the, the presence of Jesus as you do this. Yeah, it's great. But sometimes the greatness of this commission leads us just to say, well, you know, that's for church in incorporated. And I'm telling you, pastors are oftentimes the worst at this, because what do we do? We see a passage like this, make disciples, and we think, okay, we just need to hire a discipleship pastor, and they'll kind of lead that charge. We just need to develop this program, and that program will help make disciples. We just got to get people to the church building, and there we'll make disciples. Jesus says, no, 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 as you go, you are the sent ones. You are sent to them. You don't, you're not sent just to invite them here. No, you're sent to them to make disciples there so that you can't help but keep them uh, from being around other Christ followers. They, they, they now want to come here. Yeah, we are the sent ones. This is a great commission, yes. But understand, it is a shared commission. It's a shared commission. It's for every single one of us. You know, we've heard of the reformation of the church, and that was primarily about giving the Bible back to the people as the church kind of reformed from Catholicism and said, no, the Bible's for every single man, woman, child. Everybody needs to understand, know the revelation from God. Right now, there's another reformation that needs to take place in the church, and it's about giving the ministry back to people. That we understand this is the shared commission for each and every one of us. This is not for church incorporated. Know that we are the church. The building is not a church. And we have this great privilege to go and make disciples. This is the ministry of the church. And the church is a people. It's time to reform our thinking. And to restore this shared commission to all the church. Heavenly Father. We thank you that as you call disciples, you call everybody. You call everybody to be yours and then you equip them to go back into their circles and as they go in their spheres, wherever it is that they live, work, study, and play, that they are able to make disciples who they themselves will then make disciples. This is the great mission that we all share. May we live it well, but we need your help. So we ask this by the power of your Holy Spirit and the grace of your son, Jesus Christ, amen.